Welcome to Convo this Monday morning. It's the beginning of another exciting week of many good things to do, both in classes and in extracurricular activities. I'd like to highlight that this week is Domestic and Sexual, Viol sexual Assault Awareness Week on campus, and there are a lot of events planned. Um, on Tuesday evening at 8 p.m. in Newcomer 19, you're invited to take back the night. There's also a candlelight vigil on Wednesday evening at 8 p.m. in the Schrock Plaza. And you are also welcome to visit the Clothesline Project, which is displayed Monday through Wednesday this week in Schrock Plaza. I hope you can take in some or all of those activities. This morning, we're priv privileged to have Melody Fabian with us to talk on the topic of developing healthy love relationships. This is an issue I often hear in my office as students share both their joys and their pain of being in relationship. Melody will be sharing from her own story. She was raised in inner city of Chicago and understands firsthand the challenges of urban life. She has a real heart for youth and young adults and the importance of the decisions we make in our relationships. She has spoken to diverse audiences in the Chicago public school system, churches, college campuses, and conferences. Currently, she is the program director of Lydia Holmes Abstinence Program. Let's give a warm welcome to Melody. Hi, good morning. Good morning. Um, I'm really glad to be here. My name is Melody, and um, I am pregnant. Just got to put that out there so you're not like guessing through the whole thing like, does she just got a big belly or something? Um, and uh, I am happily married to uh, Claude Daniel Fabian. He's in the audience somewhere. That's my boo right there. And um, I'm really glad to be here. I um, have the privilege of um, being the program director for the What's Good program. And um, this program has actually been in existence for about eight years, and I stepped in in the last six. And uh, I run a program where I can talk to young people about the benefits of saving sex for marriage. Isn't that great? So you can imagine, I'll go into a school, and I'll say, you know, I'm going to talk to you guys about abstinence. Do you guys know what that means? And they're like, is that like when you don't go to school? I'm like, not absences, abstinence. And um, I'll get all kinds of uh, answers from the kids when it comes to this topic. And you'd be so surprised um, how many young people are engaging in sexual behavior and risky behaviors at the age of 11, 12 years old. Um, this topic is very much near and dear to my heart. And when I go uh, to speak in schools, we do an eight-week session with the students. So we go all the way from like, what are your goals and dreams? Where are you headed? What do you want to be? What do you want to do? All the way to what's, what's it going to take to get there? How are you going to reach your goals and dreams? We talk to them about um, STDs, teen pregnancy. And it's a whole program that, that we do. And, and by the end of it, the students are like, man, I never knew that I could wait. I'll have girls say, you know, well, I want to get pregnant so he could stay with me. And I'm like, sweetie, eight out of 10 teen guys leave their teen girlfriends. 
two of them stay. And they're like, oh. <laughs> and so I have that opportunity to, to really talk to these young people. I have about nine people on my staff, and we go into the uh, Chicago Public Schools, and we basic, basically, inter, it, I would just say, edutain them, entertain them while educating them. But when I'm in the school, when I'm in uh, camp, college campuses such as these, um, where, you know, people are open to faith, I like to share really what God's done in my life. And, um, you know, I didn't grow up in a, a Christian home. I was pretty much a nominal um, Catholic. I would go to church, you know, on Easter, um, just the holidays, things like that. And my, my parents divorced when I was about three. And I grew up with a stepdad, mom, saw my dad on the weekends. Um, and it was, it was all right. That's all I knew. Grew up in the inner city. When I was 12 years old, that's when I started to go to a, a Christian church with my mom and really learning about the word of God and really being challenged about my need for God. And about 13, my mom stopped going to church, and it was kind of at that point where, like, mom's not going to church. I ain't going to church. But I felt like I really needed the Lord and that I needed a relationship with him. And so I continued to go. I accepted Christ as my Savior. I said, you know what, I'm going to live for him. 14, 15, living for the Lord by myself, going to church by myself. Then my, my dad got saved, and he would call me and teach me about God. And that, was a good, that developed, you know, when I would see him on the weekends. And then when I was 16 years old, my church had this True Love Weights program. And they started talking about sex. And I'm like, what? We're talking about sex in church? What's going on here? Right? And um, they were telling us, you know, that sex is a big deal. And that when you choose to be sexually active, it does, it's not just a physical thing. That it can affect you physically, emotionally, mentally, and socially. And so they, would, they broke it down for us. And they told us, you know, if you choose to be sexually active... Here are some of the consequences that you might face. And I'm like, what? And the more I learned about it, the more I was challenged with that. And I did see in my own family, my stepsisters, who both got pregnant before the age of 18. I saw that both of them dropped out. I saw that both of them struggled a lot. And so I was like, well, you know, I don't want that. Because everybody say 2,000. 2,000. 2,000 teen girls get pregnant every day in America. Everybody say 10,000. There are more than 10,000 cases of sexually transmitted diseases per day in America among teenagers. Among teenagers. If we want to include uh, young adult age, it's 53,000 cases a day. I mean, we don't need to be scared of H1N1. We need to be scared of these STDs, okay? And so here I was at 16, learning all these things, and I was like, man, I want to wait. Not only that, they taught us about sexually transmitted diseases. Things have changed from when I was 16 to now. Now, there's an estimated 65 million people living in the U.S. who have an incurable STD. An estimated 19 million new STD cases occur each year. One in four new STD infections are occurring in teens. And almost 50% of all STDs occur among 15 to 24-year-olds. And so learning all that, the physical, the emotional, the mental, the social side, 
But then they started talking about the spiritual side. And they were like, you know, God created sex. And I was like, what? I thought the devil created sex. If God created sex, why is he tripping, right? Like, you know, it's all good. What's this whole waiting thing? And I remember learning that God created sex, but he created it to be in the context of a marriage relationship. And uh, when I went home, I'm like, Mom, I'm going to make a promise. It's like, of what? I said, I'm not having sex till I get married. And she's like, why would you want to do that? And I'm like, Mom, like, you know, I'm 16. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a promise. I'm going to get a ring, and I'm not going to take it off till I get my engagement ring. And it's going to be my promise that I'm not going to have sex till I get married. She said, you're doing that through your church? I'm like, yeah, isn't that great? She's like, sweetie, what if when you get married, your sex life sucks? I was like, that would be horrible. (laughs) You know, you get married and you're like, you know, it's the night and you're like, that's it? You know, and so I was like, okay, wait, I don't know. And I remember just like, oh, I don't know. I don't know if I should make this choice. And for the whole month, I was battling a lot of lies that the world teaches us. My mom's like, sweetie, you really think you're going to find a man that's going to wait for you? I'm like, yeah. One in a million, mama. One in a million. And I'm like, well, I'm going to give me my one in a million, you know. And I continued to learn and continued to see that this was probably the best decision that I could make. And I said, mom, I really want you to go to the ceremony. And I went to the ceremony with my ring, and my mom went reluctantly. And the whole time they talked to the parents. And they said, don't you know that your, your child is avoiding teen pregnancy? Don't you know that your child is going to avoid catching a, a sexually transmitted disease, some incurable, some not? Don't you know that your child is, is doing it God's way? You should be proud of them. And it really touched my mom's heart. And the pastor was like, I really sense that I'd like the students to come up with their rings. And I'd like the parents to put the ring on their child. And he's like, why don't you just look at your child's eyes and aren't you proud of them? And I'm like, <laughs> crying. And my mom's like, stop crying. <laughs> stop crying. <laughs> we're both crying. You know, we're like the only people crying right there. And she said, Melody, you know what? I'm sorry. I'm proud of you. This is good. This is good, sweetie. This is good. And that began my journey towards purity. The Bible says to be sanctified, and that's something that is a process. And when it comes to purity, it's not just about saving sex for marriage, but it's about guarding your heart. It's about purity of mind, body, and heart. And I continued to pursue that. At the age of 17, I was like, you know what? I'm kind of tired of dating around. You know, I was in and out of relationships, not sexually active, but just had boyfriends all the time. And I said, you know what? I I don't want to play the game anymore. I'm going to wait. And so I decided not even to date when I was 17. Continued moving forward, graduated from high school, went to a Bible college, went to Moody Bible Institute, and then now I'm on a campus with a bunch of men of God. It's a little different now. And uh, I'm on this campus and I'm like, is he the one? Is he the one? They all love God, you know? And it was like all of a sudden I'm like, how do you know, you know, he smiled at me, that's, you know, oh, he's in missions, I'm going to be, you know, and it was just like so, there was this whole new world of how to do relationships in college. My sophomore year, got into a relationship with this great guy, 
loves the Lord. And I, I didn't feel like it was time. I didn't feel like it was the right timing to be with him. But I didn't, I didn't want to lose him. You know, it's kind of like finding a good guy was like finding a good parking space. You know what I mean? Like you just, just don't want to lose it, you know. And so I was just like, man, he's a great guy. I, I, I just, I'm just going to go with this. Got into the relationship with him. Pure relationship. We weren't sexually active. We were pure in our relationship. We didn't even kiss, you know. We were like trying to do things right. But it was so emotionally unstable, so emotionally involved with this guy. And I found myself losing myself in him. Because, see, I knew I had a call on my life. I knew that God wanted to use me to speak and teach and do all these things. And every time I'd share my dreams with him, he'd be like, well, I don't know how that's going to work with what I'm doing. You know, because we're going to get married in two years. And then after we get married, you know, I'm going to go to uh, graduate school. And then, you, you know, you'll probably be working. And, and I'm like, okay, okay, we can do that. Okay, you know, and he would say, yeah, you know, there's this professor that I really admire, you know, he teaches and it's just like awesome and his wife is right there, you know, like knitting in the room, watching, and I'm like, I could learn how to knit, you know, <laughs> and uh, I just found myself trying to fit into what he wanted me to be, and he was trying to fit into what I wanted him to be, and before we know it, we were intimidating each other, and, and it just wasn't a healthy relationship. But I loved him, and I didn't want to let him go. And it became so hard, and I prayed and prayed. I said, okay, God, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? And see, sometimes we pray, God, what do you want me to do? But we really don't want to know. We really don't want to know. But I said, God, I want to know. For real, I want to know. You know, and I fasted, and I prayed, and I said, you tell me, God, I want to know. Do I need to break up with this guy? Next day, I wake up hunched over sick, vomiting. I mean, I'm talking about I was just sick with anxiety. And I'm like, I must be sick. That's what it is. So, you know, I go to the doctor, and the doctor's like, you know, you've been here about four times already in this last two months. Are you experiencing a lot of anxiety? Is there stress in your life? Is there something going on? And I'm like, I need to, I need to break up with him. And I broke up with him, and I was a mess. I was so, such a mess. He was crying. I was crying. We were all a mess. For like a whole year, I was a mess. But that summer, you know, I prayed and I said, God, what do you want from me? What do you want me? What do you want to do? What do you want from me? And I could just hear in the stillness of my heart, I want you to be single. I'm like, oh, that's the devil. Woo, that ain't God. That's the devil. That's not God, you know. And uh, every time I prayed, you know, I want you to be single. And I'm like, what? Why? You know? And the more I prayed and the more I sought the word and the more I sought counsel, the more I knew that God wanted all of me for a while and wanted me to con be content in him and him alone. And the more I prayed, the more I sought, I knew deep in my heart God said, I want you to be single till you're 27. I'm like, 27? 27? That's old, you know? At 20, anybody 20 up in this house? Right? 20? Imagine seven years from now. Can't be with nobody, right? And so I'm like, oh, my goodness, that's a long time. But I knew what it was not to be in his will that I said, you know what, I never want to go back. And I made that decision. You know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make that commitment. I made that commitment, and I was single for seven years. 
In those seven years, I learned so much. I was able to really figure out who I am, who God made me to be. I started to travel. I uh, became the program director of that program. And I learned so much. And I began to have a burden for marriages. Check out this statistic. For the first time in history, less than half of U.S. households are headed by married couples. And on September 29, 2006, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention released data showing that almost 36% of all births are the result of unmarried childbearing. The highest percentage ever recorded. That's Leah Ward Sears. In the 1930s, one out of seven marriages ended in divorce. In the 1960s, it was one out of four. Of the 2.4 million couples who will get married this year in the U.S., it's predicted that at least 50% will not survive. Another study showed that less than fifth of all marriages in America are preceded by some kind of formal marriage preparation. And God started doing something in me and building me up with just such a desire to teach on this topic of healthy relationships, healthy marriage. I know what it's like to be uh, a product of divorce. I know the pain that... I was only three, but every Christmas was still drama. Who are you going to be with? Are you going to be with your dad? Are you going to be with me? And I was just like, man, God, I don't want that. Is there anything I can do now to change that? Or is just relationships just the way it is? You know, whatever happens, happens. But I learned that we can prepare. And when I was um, 26 years old, I went on a mission trip to Uganda, Africa. And I was teaching on abstinence out there. And there was a group of people from Tucson, Arizona, who were also teaching out there. And there was this guy there who was sharing his story, and he had started over. He had had sex in college, but then he stopped. And he said, from this point on, I'm going to wait. And he had been renewed, basically. And for the last five to six years, he had not been sexually active. And I was like, what? Wow. And he had a pure heart, and we had the same vision, and we had the same passion, and we started to get to know each other. But then, you know, he went to Tucson, and trip was over. I went back to Chicago, but I got a call. Hello? Hey, it's, it's Claude Daniel. I'm like, hi. He's like, I just want to let you know, um, I just want to see, did you get there safe? Everything good? I'm like, yes, I'm safe, you know. And then like two hours later, he calls me, I just want to let you know that I'm here safe. I'm like, that's good, <laughs> you know. And that began a friendship. And he and I got to know each other. And, you know, a month later he said, Melody, I want to just let you know my intentions with you. I really see a future with you. I know we just met, and I know you have one more year left of your seven-year vow, and I don't want to interrupt what God is doing in your life. But I just want to know, can we be friends? I was like, yeah, we can be friends. And we got to know each other in that whole year, and God opened doors for us to see each other, meet each other's family. A whole year passed. My vow was done. And now I'm like, oh, my goodness. My seven-year commitment's over now. What now? And, you know, we talked to my parents. He, talk, he talked to my pastor. It was awesome. He was actually in town when my vow ended, coincidentally. <laughs> and... Uh, our council, our pastor, and everybody and my parents were like, you know, he's a great guy, Melody, but we think you should take it slow. I'm like, take it slow. 
do you know how long I've been single, <laughs> right? There is nothing to take slow right now, you know? And they're like, no, let's take it slow. You know, I don't think you guys should have a long-distance relationship. And the more we talked, you know, my husband now, but then he said, Melody, I think God didn't say no. He just said slow. And whatever I have to do to be with you, I'll do it. I'm going to go back to Tucson. I'm going to look for a job in Chicago. And once I find a job, I'm coming. I'm coming for you. Okay, you know, that was June, July, August, September, October, November, six months later, he gets a job, packs all his stuff, and he drives more than 2,000 miles down to Chicago to be with me. It was so awesome. And, you know, when he came, we started our courtship, and we courted for about seven months. And seven months later, we were in Miami visiting his mom. He took me to a beautiful beach across the street, and he wrote W-Y-M-M in the sand. And he said, will you marry me? And I was like, yes, 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 yes. And, um, you know, one of our boundaries that we had, especially that my husband had, is he said, Melody, I, I'm not going to kiss you to our wedding day. And I was like, really? Okay. And he said, you know, I, I don't want to start something we can't finish. And so I, I want to reserve that. And on November 29, 2008, that was the first time we ever kissed. And it was awesome. And our wedding night was awesome. And we've been married now for 11 months. This month, the 29th, will be our, our anniversary. And we're expecting. <laughs> and, you know, I share that story with you guys just to let you know that it is possible to wait, that it is possible to start over, even if you have had sex in the past, that it is possible to find a healthy relationship. And I want to give you guys those tools on what to do and, and how, you know, how do I know this is the, the, the best person for me? Um, I'm going to go through these kind of quickly so that you guys could get it. And I also have printouts. But this little chart... It's from the Institute of um, Basic Life Principles. It helped me out a lot. One of the things that you want to know is pretty much, do you guys have the same values? Do you guys have the same values? If you're a Christian, you want to know, is this person a growing Christian? Not somebody who claims they're a Christian, but are they a growing Christian? And you got to make a decision. You know what? I'm only going to date, court, and marry a growing Christian. You know, people make excuses like, well, he's not a Christian, but he's such a good man. You know, I think she's open to God. You know, maybe I can witness to her while we date, you know, missionary dating. I told her I only date Christians, but praise God, last week she accepted Christ. It was great. Um, well, at least they have faith and they're willing to go to church. The problem is when you guys don't have um, the same values and the same faith, when you get married, it feels incomplete. The most essential aspect of a total marriage is lost when there's no spiritual intimacy. And some people think, well, everything else is great, just the spiritual part, you know, that's the only thing that's not cool with us. But we'll work it out. That's the last thing you want to leave out. Second thing you want to ask yourself is, well, what is my life goal? What's my vision? Where am I headed? And talk to that person you're getting to know in that friendship. Well, what's your goal? Where are you headed? If you guys are headed in two different directions, that's a, that's a big sign. That's a red flag. 
you know, you need to make a decision. I will relate to courtship and marriage, to God's purposes for my life. Some people will say, well, after marriage, you know, we'll just get active in church. Well, you know, we have totally different views on ministry and life, but, you know, we'll figure it out. You know, I know I was called to the mission field, but now that we're, we're together, things have changed. And we start to let go of the call that we know is on our life because we want to be with this person. And what happens is when you get married, there's a goal frustration. Without clearly defined life goals, there's little basis for making important decisions in dating or in marriage. And that's what was happening with that guy when I was 20. I knew what I wanted, but I still didn't know who I was, and so I was allowing him to define who I was. Gentlemen, you don't want a woman to define who you are, and women, you don't want a man to define who you are. You need to know who you are first before you get into a relationship. You need to find yourself complete in God first before you find yourself in a relationship with someone. Third thing that you want to ask is, do I practice self-control? If you don't have self-control now, you're not going to have self-control within marriage. If you're able to practice self-control before you get married, you will be able to have self-control from others within marriage. I will not defraud or rob the one I court or date. You know, people say, well, it's, you know, dating standards, they're different today. You know, we're not having sex. We're just having oral sex. Uh, oral sex is sex, okay? It's not sexual intercourse, but it is sexual activity that leads to sex. And you can get an STD in your mouth. You know, we talk to young people in the schools because they end up with herpes in their throat. And they never thought that would happen to them. And... A lot of times people will say, well, well, that's not sex, but it is sexual activity, and that's not purity. You know, I know I should break up with him, but I don't want to hurt him. Or people will say, it's just oral sex. The problem is that once you get married, doing all that stuff before you get married, there's a lot of self-condemnation. And you meet couples who feel guilt and blame over the wrong standards in dating. And it carries into their marriage and it becomes the source of many petty arguments. The woman will find herself with this forbidden fruit before she gets married. And then when she gets married and now they're so quote unquote legal, she feels like she doesn't even really want to engage in sex with her husband. She feels shame and guilt. And there's this, all these weird feelings they have to work through. Is there harmony at home? This one's a big one and it's really hard. But before you get married, you want to make sure that there's somewhat harmony at home. Not that things got to be perfect with you and your parents, but that you have peace in your heart with your parents. Because guys, whatever you didn't deal with with your mom or dad, and girls, whatever you didn't deal with with your mom or dad or your guardians, you will bring that into your marriage. You know, people will say, well, you know, he has a bad temper and he has a bad relationship with his dad, but at least he controls his anger around me. He only punches the wall outside, you know. You know, when she finally leaves her house, things will get better. She won't have those temper tantrums anymore. Or we'll say, you know, no one in our family understands us. That's why we don't hang around with anyone, which just me and him all the time by ourselves. We love it. <laughs> Whoa, be careful with that. Because what happens is when you get married, there's a lot of conflict luggage. A man tends to treat his wife as he treated his mother and vice versa. Issues of unforgiveness and disharmony will be brought into the marriage. 
You don't want to bring all that luggage. Another thing that you want to think about before you get married is, is it really time? Is it time? I will wait for God's timing in our marriage. Three things that can really help you determine whether this is the right time. One thing is a parental or community of faith blessing. You know, I know that sounds really old school, but I think we've forgotten that God has placed certain people in our life, certain authorities in our life to bless us. And I remember telling that guy when I was 20, I don't want to get married if I don't get my parents' blessing. He's like, who cares what your dad thinks? I'm marrying you, not your dad. And, you know, my dad said, Melody, if he doesn't know how to submit to authority, how are you going to submit to him? It's like, huh. And his relationship with his mom was to the point where we were on our way to a mission trip. We were 20 years old. I said, hey, did you tell your mom that we're going on this mission trip? He's like, no. She doesn't even know. I'm like, your mom doesn't need to know that you're going out of the country. He's like, no, I don't, I don't need to tell her. And I was like, hmm, okay. And I fast forwarded to the future. You know, I'm like, babe, we're married. Honey, where, where were you? Do you need to know everywhere I'm going? And I said, no, nah, I, I, don't, I don't need that. I don't need that. Number one, you want to make sure that there's parental community of faith blessing. You know, people will say, oh, well, we're old enough to make our own decisions. Another thing that can help you is financial preparation. You know, some people are like, we just going to get married and live on love. <laughs> love don't pay the bills. And you have to know, you don't have to be rich to get married, but you do want to be financially prepared. Another thing is you want to have some sort of basic education. Some people say, well, you know what, we'll finish our education, you know, within our marriage. That's fine, and some people can do that. But you want to make sure that you're ready for the pressures that it's going to be like when you get married. Because if you don't, when you get married, there's going to be tension and worry. Dangerous stress is added to the marriage. And impatience is a sign of self-love or immaturity since love suffers long. And I'm so glad that I waited those seven years. And I'm so glad that we waited a year and a half even after we knew we were for each other. Because now we're ready. You want to ask, right now, what is my gift? What, where, where do I need to be? Have you ever yielded your right to marry to God? God, you know what? If you don't want me to be with anybody, I'm going to be undistracted. Undistracted devotion to Christ and his work. Spiritual immaturity. If we don't do this, if we don't yield our right and we're always in and out of relationships, in and out of relationships because we can't be alone. Essential training and experience are lost when the responsibilities of a premature marriage crowd out significant Christian activities. I learned so much in those seven years of singleness. And there's so much you can learn when you just yield your right and say, you know what, God, whatever you want, I'm going to take this time to become who I need to be. And last, when you put these six things into practice and you wait on his time, God's will fulfills our deepest needs. And I really believe this. God will bring someone he knows you'll be happier and more effective with. You'll say, man, I'm better off because of them. Not, man, I was better off without them. I meet, I know people who are married who feel that way. Oh, I was so much better off without them. But I guess we just got to do this. I share this with you guys from my heart because this is what helped me. And I have um, 
you know, I, I made this chart for you guys just to think it through. It's not a formula. It's not like follow these six steps and you'll get married in 30 days. You know, it's not like that. It's just to help you to think through when it comes to relationships. Because one of the biggest decisions you'll ever make in your life is whether you choose to follow Christ. And the second biggest decision you're going to make in your life is who you marry. Because that will determine how the rest of your life goes. And I just want to encourage you young people that no matter what you've done, no matter what you've gone through, you don't have to live in shame. You don't have to live quietly with all these things that are resonating in your heart. There are answers out there for you. We're actually going to be here today. My husband and I are going to be in this uh, room next door uh, from 11.30 to 2. For anybody who wants to talk, pray, has any questions, wants to go deeper, I'm, a, I'm available to you guys today. Thank you so much for your time.